Welcome to The Workplace, where we talk about the cultures we work in and how to make them better for everyone. I'm Andrew Scarcella. This episode, we're talking with Megan Tuhig about ways to design an intentional work culture as well as a work environment that offers support, belonging, and flexibility to a modern workforce. Join us after the interview for tangible takeaways, where we'll talk about the ideas and actions we can take with us and implement in our own workplace cultures. Megan is the Chief People Officer at Overstock.com, where she's worked for more than 15 years. She has an MBA from Westminster College, and Utah Business listed her as one of their 40 under 40 to watch in 2017 the same year she founded OWN, the Overstock Women's Network, which aims to provide education, training, mentorship, and professional development to Overstock's female employees. In 2021, Utah Business recognized her again when they named her CXO of the Year. Megan was interviewed by me in the summer of 2021 but her thoughts on attracting and developing the best people and teams in our increasingly hybrid work climate remain as relevant in 2022. Let's get to it. Megan, welcome to the workplace. Andrew, thank you for having me. Couldn't be more excited to be here. Likewise. So you are currently the chief people officer at Overstock, but before we talk about the present, I'd like to talk a little bit about the past. What was your first job? My first job, I was 16 years old, and I was a head lifeguard down at Raging Waters in Utah, which is a water park. And um, first job, you know, I thought it might be all about getting a tan and meeting some new friends and turns out, you know, that was very much focused on safety of the patrons. And it was a great first job. I think it was a lot of other first jobs as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had to show up on time. I had to be where I said I would be. It was the first time that I was really getting a good understanding of how to work with customers a manager, how to work with my colleagues. So I think it was a wonderful first job experience for me. Do you remember what the culture was like there? I don't know if you thought about it like that at the time. Probably not. Most teenagers don't. But yeah, what was it uh, What was it like there? Yeah, well, uh, like I said, I think there was probably a split of uh, lifeguards that thought they were there for the fun. And after a summer of probably backboarding three or four different people out of water slides. It was, it was quickly apparent that, you know, safety needed to be uh, paramount to anything there at the water park. Um, You know, I, I didn't think about the culture in the way that I do now, of course. And, and there, it was so different because there was no technology back then. No one had cell phones. Um, there weren't the type of digital distractions that there are uh, 
today that you might find. Um, but again, I'm I'm grateful for the experience. I did it for two summers, and um, and here I am now. Here you are. It prepared you perfectly. Uh, I hope you don't have to deal with anybody in backboards anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Knock on wood. A <laughs> um, little bit of an odd question, but how does it compare to Overstock's workplace culture? Yeah, well... Could you um, compare it? <laughs> I, I, yeah, gosh, it's, it's so, so different. Uh, Overstock's culture is very, uh, I would describe it as inclusive. There's a lot of accountability there. Um, you know, our vision is dream homes for all. Um, and our mission is that we are customer focused. We are a technology company and we are building enterprise value for the firm and for all the, the stakeholders in the firm. Um, we, we have actually defined our culture. We are very intentional about who we are, what we stand for, uh, what it, employees can expect from us and what we expect from our employees. And we, we sort of weave our culture into various moments throughout the employee journey. So, you know, all the way from recruiting to performance reviews to our employee satisfaction surveys, um, we even highlight components of our culture when we start meetings. Um, so, so we really have woven it into the experience that employees get at the company. It's very mm. important for us here at Overstock. Consistency and repetition can do a lot to uh, ingrain uh, your culture into people's experiences, right? Absolutely. Yes, consistency is is key. And this, this We Are Overstock has been um, really, really helpful um, as we, as we grow, as we develop our culture. Um, and it's been, it's been a huge reason, um, for, for our success as a leadership team, um, and has really, has really bonded, um, leadership all the way down through every employee in the organization. It's a tricky thing to do. It's a, it's easy to do at a team level. Having that go up to the organizational level, that might be the real uh, challenge for HR leaders, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And it requires work. You know, it's not something that we have sort of checked off um, a to-do list and defined our culture and, and you know, put it away. Um, we work on it all the time. Um, again, folding it into to every moment in a meaningful um every meaningful moment in the experience of our employees um so that's that's our trick but but you do you have to nurture it um and and always water it and and intentionally work on it is there anything about your culture there that you think makes it unique? You know, there are, there are building blocks for culture that are sort of standard. You know, you've got to have these things for it to be functional. But what would you say makes it different? Yeah, so, so we have, um, there, there are several things that employees want, 
right? Um, a big piece is belonging, right? Do I, do I belong here? And can I find emotional connections with the people, with the projects that I'm working on? So is this a place where I'm going to feel welcome to be authentically me? And secondly, can I add value and can I be productive? Am I going to be challenged um, with, with interesting projects and interesting work? Will I have opportunities to develop and grow? Do I feel appreciated, right? Can I make mistakes without being afraid of repercussions? Can I state my opinion and my perspectives and my ideas, even if they're you know, not aligned with what others are thinking or um, their, their own ideas? Can I share those without fear? Can I trust my colleagues? All of those things are really important um, when it comes to building a healthy culture. And I think those are all aspects that we have woven into Overstock's culture. You're talking about the employee experience. You know, this is how people who are already working there uh, experience the culture. But what do you think the role of work workplace culture is in attracting? new talent because right now the labor market is tighter than it's been in a generation maybe <laughs> and you know it i think everyone is sort of looking for that one weird trick so to speak to attract people so yeah what do you what do you think that is what could, yeah it's could, a great it's a great question um, because you you can't fully understand the culture of a company until you're actually in it, right? Um, as a candidate, you can ask about it, but until you're there and you you can truly experience it, you don't know exactly what it will be like. So I think culture is really important for us because we want our employees to share and and spread spread the word that overstock.com is the best place to work in Utah. Um, and we can only do that. We can only get that word of mouth, um, you know, recruiting power if our own employees are having a wonderful experience and truly believe that our culture is what it is. I like that. Tend to your garden, set an example, right? Absolutely. So your global headquarters is a bit ostentatiously called the Peace Coliseum. Tell me a bit about how that came about, how it's designed, and how you think it impacts the culture there. Sure. So prior to building our new headquarters, we were in a six-story tall building with very opaque walls, you know, the the... Uh, windows were really only for corner offices. Um, you know, it was it was dark. It was you could consider it slightly dingy, uh, and it it made for a very siloed workplace. Right, there wasn't a lot of collaboration happening. Um, not a lot of truly transparent walls or communication. Um, and so we, as our lease was coming up on the space, we we really wanted to create a new space that more, more accurately reflected our open, innovative, transparent culture. Uh, so we created Peace Coliseum. 
Uh, it's a 19 acre campus. The building is 231,000 square feet of wow. office space. We have a medical clinic with a full-time physician, uh, a fitness center, a greenhouse where the fruits and vegetables that are grown there are actually served in our cafeteria that's on site. Uh, we have an on-site daycare, a sport court. You know, the building is very sustainable. It is a LEED Gold certified building. Um, you know, we have this dynamic glass that actually tints with the um you know, amount of sun that's that's being let in. It depends on the, the time of year, the time of day. So it's a very, you know, it's it's the latest and greatest in office spaces. And it has been an incredible tool for us to attract and retain talent. And I think it just really more accurately reflects our collaborative, our innovative spirit as a company. Yeah, sometimes you have to design the physical space to reflect the sort of emotional or creative space, right? You do. What's your favorite part of the the building or the campus, I should say? Maybe something people wouldn't notice on their first walkthrough? Yeah, so I will say that in a, in a circular building, it is very easy to become disoriented. Uh, you know, you can walk around a circle and, and um, get lost quickly. So our wayfinding system is probably one of my favorite aspects of the building. It's very slick. Um, and, and once you understand the system that is based on polar coordinates, you, you will never get lost. And I remember, you know, in our old space, we had unique names for, for conference rooms. I think they were all based on the counties of Utah. And it only took me about 10 years to memorize those con conference room names and figure out where I was going. And uh, by that time, we were moving out of that building. So this, if you understand the system on day one, you will never get lost. So I would say our navigation and wayfinding system is one of my favorite parts of the building. Yeah, something you couldn't help but notice, but you might not notice. You wouldn't think about it. Right? When it's designed right, you just follow it and know where you're going and you don't have to think about how it was designed, right? Exactly. Yes. Uh, you mentioned that you have an on-site daycare, which I think is wonderful and very progressive, and I think where companies are or should be heading. And I'm curious um, how you see uh, benefits for parents, including like parental leave and, and the on-site daycare, how that is changing. It feels like that's becoming more and more something people are kind of expecting or maybe just requiring in a new job? You're, you're absolutely right. And it's happening very quickly. You know, my, my daughter just turned five in April. And when I was pregnant, I was told that I could have 12 weeks where my job would be protected and the leave would be unpaid. And it was the federally mandated 
leave that that you could have. It sounded very threatening to just, you know, be having having a, a child. Um, and and so fast forward just a quick five years, we now offer medical leave for for biological mothers, fathers, same-sex partners, adoptive parents. Um, we've come a very long way. And um, you know, we've got some, we you mentioned the on-site daycare. Uh, that's been a significant investment for the company. It continues to be, and it's one of the ways that uh, we want to signal to working parents that we we want them to feel comfortable. We know that when parents know that their children are safe and in a healthy environment and in a convenient environment for the parents, um, they're going to be more engaged, more productive, um, employees for us. Um, we have a really unique benefit for working parents called the caregiver travel policy. And, and basically, um, how that came about was I was, I was meeting with a mentee of mine and she, she said, Megan, I love what I do. I'm really good at it. I have to travel all the time, given the nature of the role um, but I'm 35. I just got married and I'm, we're starting to have conversations about expanding our family. So I feel like I'm in a conundrum. I need to either, you know, choose, choose not to have a family or delay that decision so that I can continue on this trajectory of my career. Or perhaps I need to change, change into a different role probably take a pay cut because I'll be starting at, at the bottom level and I'll have to work my way up again. But, you know, choosing something that doesn't have, require all the travel so that I can, um, you know, start my family. And I thought, gosh, you're, you're right. You probably, those are, those are the only decisions you have. Um, and that's a hard one to make. And, you know, she's not the only one in that situation. Um, there are lots of employees throughout, uh, our workforce that are dealing with that same, same question. So I went home, I thought on it, and it was only a matter of weeks uh, before we rolled out a new policy saying, if you, if you have a child under the age of two, uh, we, and we're, you're required to travel for work, we will purchase an additional round trip ticket so that you can bring a caregiver of your choice, could be your mother, your your nanny, your spouse, um, you know, whomever, your teenage child, whomever you feel most comfortable, you know, spending time with your your newborn while you can attend meetings, um, so that you don't have to sacrifice um, and make sacrifices in those new years of of adjusting to your expanded family. So I think we've come a long way um, and we're always looking for, for additional um, ideas to make sure our working parents um, feel supported. Absolutely. It really feels like a necessary part of sort of completing uh, the transition to full equity, right? Absolutely. Cause it's, it's, 
it's a real, it's a detriment to have to make that decision. Should I sacrifice my career for my family? Gosh, wouldn't it be great if I could have both? And it's nice to see uh, a real concrete policy addressing that. I think we had uh, one guest on in our first season who had, uh, I can't remember who, where she worked for, but it was uh, a similar type of policy where it's like, well, I'm traveling for this conference. I'm giving a, a you know, I'm a keynote speaker. And my company allows me to bring my kids with me on this work trip. And I remember thinking like, wow, that's a, that's a big deal. Like, <laughs> it's a big shift. So kudos. It is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite conversations that I think I've had in my professional life was going back to this mentee and saying, look, now, now you don't have to choose. You can, you can keep this, this role that you love and that you're thriving in and you can have, you can have your family too. You don't have to make that decision. It's not one or the other. Absolutely. So I think we have to talk about the looming presence of hybrid work. This is the buzzword of the year, maybe. And, but just it's because everyone has to deal with it. So are you fully back to work? Are people in the office? Are half people there? Are most people still remote? How are you working through that? Right. So yes, of course, hybrid work and how how companies are going to re-enter the office has been top of mind for for most leaders of companies. And Overstock has approached this, um, you know, I think in a very slow, thoughtful, intentional way. Uh, in March of 2020, we came up with a three objectives of handling the pandemic. And the first was to keep our employees safe. The second was to continue our business operations. And the third was to do what we could as an organization to reduce the transmission uh, of the virus in our communities. So we have approached the last two years uh, with those three objectives top of mind. you know, we really wanted to to wait and learn, see what other companies are doing, uh, see what works well, uh, see what doesn't. So, you know, for the last two years, we have been testing out uh, hybrid arrangements, having some people in the office, some people remaining at home, see what works uh, well and what doesn't, and and try to formulate a plan um, with those learnings in mind. Um, so we did a lot of experimentation, uh, a lot of surveying, uh, again to figure out what what is going to work best for our workforce and for our organization. And you know some of those learnings were that we know uh, that when we're all in the office. It works well, but we all have to be in the office. And when we're all working from home, that also works quite well. Uh, It's when we run into those hybrid scenarios where some people are are calling in from a conference room and others are calling in from home that we really find uh, complexity and we find that doesn't work well. So what we wanted to do was formulate a plan that really reduced 
those hybrid interactions. Uh, so in November of this year, we rolled out our forward plan. Uh, and it's actually an acronym for the future of remote work and reentry design. So it really acknowledges both the need and want to work remotely and have the flexibility uh, that comes with, you know, our employees deciding when and where they work. And uh, you know, reflects how we bring the organization together to, to have those in-person interactions that really enhance uh, the collaboration, uh, the celebration, and, and identifies ways that we can reinforce our, our culture as we come together. So uh, we have rolled out our plan in April of 2022. We will be uh, really kicking off that plan with a homecoming uh, where you know, we expect the majority of our workforce will come together for a semi, the first semi-annual gathering. So how we've laid out the forward plan is depending on your management level and the department that you support, uh, your the frequency with which we expect you to be on site uh, is, is laid out very clearly. So we have frequencies, uh, daily frequencies, depending on your role, uh, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and semi-annually. Uh, and we've, we've laid this out clearly for our workforce. Again, I, I think it does really three things. It, it, it emphasizes the, the flexibility aspect of, of what we envision the future of work holds. Um, and, and, and really, you know, that, that flexibility will be permanent. Um, and then it does, it does reinforce this, this need for social interaction and in-person collaboration. So um, while the majority of our workforce has really embraced a working from home arrangement, we know that they're also really craving social interactions and, and getting together with their colleagues to, to celebrate. And so this plan allows, allows for that. I mean, I think we can all acknowledge that the pandemic has really created this monumental shift and desire in employees to decide how and when they get work done. And we think that this forward plan acknowledges that shift in the mindset of our workforce. And from a retention and recruiting perspective, we think this plan is going to um, really be something that strengthens overstocks, hiring and retention power. I do think the forward plan nicely complements our already flexible workplace and culture. We have programs in place 
already that we have had in place for years, uh, one of which is the 980 plan where an employee works 80 hours in nine days and the 10th day is really taken as an off day so that really every other Friday is um, a, a day off and employees enjoy a three-day weekend every two weeks. So we do think it complements that, that layer of flexibility that we already have within Overstock. How are you staying up on what you think future hires, like the, the workforce of the future, what are they going to want out of their employee experience? What do you think are the trends on the horizon that we need to pay attention to? Yeah, well, you know, I, I feel like I'm I'm constantly reading articles because there is no shortage of journalists that are are writing about this. We're putting out articles on the subject as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um so so doing a lot of research, I think for for us, for Overstock in particular, um listening to our workforce. Um, and the needs of our employees, we are we are frequently asking them um, preferences. You know what they need. It's been a huge uh, component of our success through the pandemic is listening to what they need. Um, uh, you know, trying to adjust when we can. But we are surveying our workforce on a very regular basis, whether it's our twice annual employee satisfaction survey. We do pulse surveys. We ask questions at various moments throughout the employee experience. And I think having that open dialogue um, has helped us be very successful and and given us a, a good idea for how we anticipate overstock may need to adjust and pivot for for future work. Is there anything that you've seen in those surveys, either the, the Pulse survey or the, the, the twice weekly one, that surprised you in terms of like, oh, that's something I didn't think that people would care about or be looking at? Sorry to put you on the spot. No, that's okay. It's a... It's a great question. Yeah, I think there were a couple of things that surprised us as we headed into this pandemic environment and work arrangements. One of which was that we really were surprised by how much we came together. You know, we were all working remotely and apart, but suddenly I felt a closeness to my colleagues that I didn't expect. You know, suddenly being in this Zoom environment, I was in a way being let into my colleagues' homes. You know, I could suddenly see what Joe's kitchen looked like. And I I was able to hear Susie's dogs barking and see them in the background. And some of those some of those really personal sides of people that we don't get to see, we suddenly had insight 
into their, into their lives at home. And so, um, you know, I think that that idea of getting closer as colleagues, uh, despite the fact that we were all apart from one another, that was something that, that was unexpected from uh, this whole thing. I think the other thing that, that really came to the forefront for, for us as an organization, as we looked out for, for the safety of our employees was, was the mental health impact that the isolation of the pandemic would bring. And so we really, uh, as an organization, wanted to be sure that we had the resources in place uh, that could that could really assist our workforce as they navigated uh, some of the challenges that a pandemic brings. Uh, we do have an on-site EAP uh, coach, and we have two coaches, in fact, in place um, that that are also able to support our employees in a virtual way, and we made sure that those those resources were, were available uh, throughout the pandemic. Um, so those were a few things that surprised us as we went into this unknown territory um, and, and things that we, you know, perks that we hope continue um, as we move into the future of work. Because we've been wearing masks, we've, you know, had less like other illnesses, right? Everybody's been generally healthier when it comes to, uh, you know, flu and other mild respiratory diseases. I wonder if you think there's going to be any precedent for encouraging employees to wear masks if they think they might be sick or to just stay home more because of this hybrid work schedule. I, I absolutely uh, think that that is the case. Um, you know, traditionally, I, I think there has been a, perhaps a little bit of pressure on employees where if you're not seen in the office and you know if you're if you're not keeping your chair warm um, during normal work hours, then that must mean that you're not getting the work done. And that that just we know now, uh, based on you know what we've just experienced with the pandemic, that that's just not the case. Um, employees can be incredibly productive and and engaged from home. Um, and so I do think that that pressure to come into the office, you know, even if you feel like you are on your deathbed, um, that will certainly um, be reduced in in the coming years. Yeah, I think even without any sort of formal policy change, people will recognize that you know that's not just something that's right to do but something they they can do and it's not a big deal right i agree i think personally what i'm looking forward to i know this is sort of a local issue but we have inversions uh, pollution inversions every winter and i'm kind of hoping that maybe companies will see that as the perfect opportunity to encourage people to work from home during those times when, you know, commuting would just sort of add to the pollution, right? Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, while, while so much, um, you know, there's been a lot of sadness and devastation uh, around the pandemic and COVID-19, 
a lot of divisiveness. Um, but on the flip side, I think that um, we've there there have been some good things to to um, come out of this that we've learned, and I hope that we can take those those lessons and and really move them forward. Um, and that's that's a perfect example. You know, can we can we reduce the commute if necessary? I hope we get something good out of this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. If you could snap your fingers and remove a corporate buzzword or phrase from the universe, what would it be? You know, I'm not. I'm not sure if this is necessarily a corporate buzzword, but the the um, phrase "it is what it is" just drives me a little batty. I I don't even understand exactly what it's saying. I mean, it's it's just um, so it's superfluous, meaningless. <laughs> yes. And what what does that mean? Are you giving up? What what it is what it is. I don't know. That that is a phrase that uh, I could certainly live without. It could definitely be replaced with "I give up." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Who are your heroes? Teachers and healthcare workers. Who are your villains? Politicians with egos. Who was the best boss you ever had? You know, people might think that I'm trying to brown nose, and I'm I'm not. But my my current boss, Jonathan Johnson, is a fantastic leader, and he is patient. He's a wonderful listener. He's very intentional. He's not impulsive. Uh, he expects a lot, but is incredibly supportive. I always feel like he's on my side. And I, I know that he must have an ego somewhere because we all do, but uh, I just haven't seen evidence of it yet. Well, it seems like he empowers you to get stuff done because you've, you've done a lot in your, how long have you been at, at the CPO? Five years? Ah, uh, you know, I think I've been in people care for five years. Uh, we, we call our, our, you know, organization people care um I, I believe in this role maybe two years now at this two point years. okay yes yes well you've done a lot thank you what was the last thing you read that really stuck with you you know scott galloway's algebra of happiness is a a book that i often have you know, within an arm's reach. Oh, there it is. Uh, it's, a, it's a quick read. Uh, it's, it's, you know, there's nothing too complex about it, but it's a nice reminder um, about some, some things to keep in mind when you deal with career, family, relationships, uh, finances. It's, it's a good one. And finally, before we go, uh, anything you want to plug besides obviously overstock. <laughs> oh, well, you know, one thing, one thing that I, um, one thing that I thought I would mention about our building, um, you know, when we, when we talk about it as it pertains to culture, 
I think, I think it's a very powerful tool in our toolbox of, uh, you know, cultural tools, but it's, it's not everything. Right. I think a lot of companies that think they can go out and just, you know, put some, put some beer on tap and have a couple ping pong tables. That's, that's not everything, right? You have to have the other aspects of your culture really sort of developed um, because a building and a, a physical space can only help you get so far when it comes to creating a healthy culture. You have to have, you know, the right, the right leadership, the right principles that you stand for, um, the right, um, you know, way you operate with one another and, and collaborative qualities um, that go beyond just that physical space. Mm. Perks are not culture. <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, in general, I, I would say Overstock has, is just a lovely place to be. We have a lot of people with, um, with you know, impressive tenure there. And there's a reason why people stick around with the company for so long. It's a lovely place to work. And I, I have told myself that the day that I come into the office and I feel like I am no longer challenged and I'm no longer learning new things and, and pushing myself is probably the day that I'll look for something new. And, and that hasn't happened um, for a very long time. So, and I don't anticipate that changing either. So, I want to I want to thank both of you for for having me on on the show. It's what a fun you got ahead of me. Show. I was about to thank you. Oh, well, I gotcha. <laughs> I like I like to be first sometimes. <laughs> well, we really appreciate it, and thanks again for coming into the workplace and sharing your expertise. Thank you. Have a wonderful afternoon. For tangible takeaways, where we take big ideas out of the hamper, sort them into colors, lights, darks, and delicates, before carting them haphazardly down to the corner laundromat, only to discover we forgot to bring our wallet. But as it turns out, we found a crumpled $5 bill in that extra inside pocket of our favorite jacket. But the change machine doesn't really like our crumpled bill, so we spend too long trying to flatten it on the counters with a heavy box of detergent so the machine will graciously convert our humble fiber into a cascade of glistening quarters so we can sit down for an afternoon of washing, drying, and tenderly folding our unmentionables in this very public place. that if you really want to put your cultural money where your mouth is, consider crafting a work environment that reflects your company's values instead of just giving them lip service. What good is building a peace coliseum if it fails to meet the actual needs of your workers? Needs like 
daycares and in-house clinics, not just ping-pong tables and Pop-Tarts. Tailored benefits show your workers that you truly listen to their feedback and that you value their well-being and that of their families. The second is that in this moment where workers are at a premium, one of the most reliable tools for attracting talent is still word of mouth. Talent scouts and recruiters are no substitute for the sheer, unfakeable power of a current employee who's willing to say to an esteemed friend or colleague, trust me, this is a great place to work. But how do you cultivate this word of mouth? Skip back 30 seconds to takeaway number one to find out. The third is that if you're building an epic campus, consider an equally epic name to go with it. Let's see, Peace Coliseum's already taken. How about the Equality Cathedral? Recognition Warehouse? Psychological Safety Arena? Integrity Bathhouse? Accountability Amphitheater? Equity Emporium? Tower of Empowerment? This episode was narrated by yours truly and produced by Annika Rapp with writing, music, and sound design by Daniel Foster Smith. If you liked this episode, or even if you didn't, please rate, review, and of course, subscribe to The Workplace wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a burning question about workplace culture or a story about why your workplace culture is the best or worst, send it to theworkplace at octanner.com. The Workplace is sponsored by OC Tanner, the global leader in engaging workplace cultures. OC Tanner's Culture Cloud provides a single modular platform for influencing and improving employee experiences through recognition, career anniversaries, leadership, and more. If you want your organization to become a place where people can't wait to come to work in the morning, go to octanner.com. But the change machine doesn't really like our crumpled bill, so we spend way too much time trying to flatten it on one of the counters with a heavy box of detergent so the machine will graciously convert our humble fiver into a cascade of glistening quarters, some of them a little dirty, so we can sit down for an afternoon of washing, drying, and tenderly folding our unmentionables in a public place. <laughs> it's just underwear. <laughs> just a huge, we have, we have colors, lights, darks, and delicates, all underwear, all unmentionables. <laughs>